This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. This is Worshipful Brother Wes Latchford, Worshipful Master of Atlantic Lodge No. 2 in Norfolk, Virginia, and District Educational Officer for the 35th Masonic District of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Ancient Free and Accepted Masons of the Commonwealth of Virginia, bringing to you Volume 30, Number 7, from July 1952, entitled, Those Terrible Exposés. The Come On. The Gullible. In American slang, the sucker is everywhere to be found in all countries, in all walks of life. As long as humanity has had a history, there have always been those who believed what they were told, and especially what they saw in print, whether the teller had any credentials or not. Hence there comes to some newly made master masons the mortifying experience of being taken in by confidence men. It is not unusual for a newly raised master mason to be visited by a clever-talking individual who suggests that he can save, newly raised, a lot of trouble by selling him a book. This book, according to the seller, contains all the secrets of Freemasonry. It will, so runs the tale, release the newly made mason from hours of instruction provide him with an advanced knowledge of all the higher degrees, and generally make him look up to, envied and admired because of his learning. When the come-on is sufficiently hypnotized, the seller produces a dog-eared and second-hand copy of Allen's or Duncan's Ritual or Richardson's Masonry or Morgan's Exposé, which he sells for whatever the traffic will bear. It is, of course, never hinted that this valuable and secret book can be bought for a few dollars in a half-dozen second-hand bookstores in any large city. If the newly-made Mason does not have this experience, many do, at some time in their lives, come across a Masonic expose and are usually horrified. For if here is all of Masonry in print, what will become of the fraternity? He hastens with his find to the Grand Master or Deputy or some older Mason and asks breathlessly for advice. Not infrequently, he burns his terrible possession and is convinced for years afterwards that he has saved the fraternity from a tragedy. And it is all pitiful and redounds greatly to the credit of the brother who has not yet learned to distinguish the spirit from the letter. Mackey lists some 30 exposés of the fraternity and admits from his compilation several which are well known to Masonic librarians. A partial list of the books written or published by four sworn Freemasons is as follows. A Mason's Examination, which appeared in the Flying Post for April 1723. The Grand Mystery of Freemasons Discovered, London, 1724. The Secret History of Freemasonry, London, 1724. 
the whole institution of Freemasons opened, 1725. The grand mystery laid open, or the Freemason signs and words discovered, 1726. The mystery of Freemasonry, a sheet reprinted in the Daily Journal of London, August 15th, and again August 18th, 1730. Also in the Pennsylvania Gazette, December 5th to the 8th, 1730, by Benjamin Franklin. Masonry Dissected by Samuel Pritchard, London, 1730. Several editions, and a French translation in 1737, and a German one in 1736. The Secrets of Masonry Made Known to All Men, by S.P. Samuel Pritchard, London, 1737. The Mystery of Masonry, London, 1737. The Mysterious Receptions of the Celebrated Society of Freemasons, London, 1737. Masonry Further Dissected, London, 1738. Les Secrets des Francs-Maisons, par M. Le Bel Perrault, Geneva, 1742. Catechisme des Francs-Maisons, par M. Léonard or Louis Travenon, Paris, 1745. The Order of the Freemasons Betrayed and the Secret of the Masons Revealed, Amsterdam, 1745. The Mason Unmasked, 1751. The Freemason Examined by Alex Slade, London, 1754. The Secrets of Freemasonry Revealed by a Disgusted Brother, London, 1759. A Master Key to Freemasonry, 1760. Three Distinct Knocks, 1760. Jakin and Boaz, London, 1762. Hiram, or the Grand Master Key, London, 1764. Shibboleth, or Every Man a Freemason, 1765. Solomon, in All His Glory, 1766. Mahabon, or the Grand Lodge Door Opened, 1766. Tubal Cain, 1767. The Freemasons Stripped Naked, by Charles Warren, London, 1769. Choice Selection of Hadaramite Masonry, by Louis Gillemin, de Saint-Victor, Paris, 1781. A Masonic Treatise, with an elucidation on the religious and moral beauties of Freemasonry, etc., by W. Finch, London, 1801. The Cat Out of the Bag, London, 1824 and 1825. Manual of Freemasonry by Richard Carlyle, 1825. Illustrations of Masonry by William Morgan, 1829. Light on Masonry by David Bernard, Utica, New York, 1829. A Ritual of Freemasonry by Avery Allen, New York, 1852. The world of Masonic history owes a debt to some of the very so-called early exposés of Freemasonry, especially Masonry Dissected and Jacob and Boaz. These works, now carefully preserved in every Masonic library of importance, and with copies in many private libraries, give an insight into ritual of the early days of Freemasonry, and thus provide a background by which ritualists and historians evaluate the changes and the additions which time, modern ideas, and the westward spread of the fraternity have worked in the words of our ancient ceremonies.
No modern expose of the class and dates of Allen, Richardson, Morgan, Duncan, etc., correctly sets forth the work of any American jurisdiction. Even if these books were letter-perfect, no Freemason would admit it, at least in the hearing of any one of the fraternity. But as a matter of sober fact, none of them are accurate today. The reasons for believing that Jacob and Boaz and Masonry dissected are reasonably accurate is their simplicity and brevity, and that they come from an age when the traveling lecturer had not been born nor had the teachers of masonry discovered that by traveling from state to state and lodge to lodge, they could pick up a precarious but certain living by teaching the only true Masonic work, as did such stalwarts as Barney and Cross and Webb, who did so much to popularize and extend Freemasonry in this country. Masonry Dissected and Jacob and Boaz are interesting at times, exciting in the picture they put before our modern eyes of degrees in masonry nearly two and a half centuries ago, when organized Freemasonry was still young. It is possible that the ancients and the moderns were to some extent children of various exposés. H. L. Hayward noted, Masonic student, has written in his monumental third volume of Mackey's Encyclopedia as follows. Many exposés have been published in London, and clandestine masons pestered regular lodges, and a certain amount of anti-masonry became active. To circumvent these clandestines, the Grand Lodge shifted the modes of recognition from one degree to another and made other changes about which little is known in detail. It also discontinued the ceremony of installation of the Master thereby reducing him to the status of a mere presiding officer, with no inherent powers. These alterations in things that ought not to be altered aroused resentment among a large number of lodges. As time progressed, and, as lodge histories make clear, an increasing number of lodges ceased to be lodges and became convivial clubs, some of them very expensive clubs. By 1750, the Grand Lodge had thus departed a long way from the original design. In the language of the time, it had modernized itself, and it came to be, for that reason, dubbed the Modern Grand Lodge. The members of the new Grand Lodge of 1751, on the other hand, insisted on retaining the work and customs of the beginning, and because they did so, declared themselves a Grand Lodge according to the Antient Institutions, and hence were called Antient Masons. Both Masonry Dissected and Jacob and Boaz are pamphlets, the first 32 pages and a front piece, the second 58 pages. From these and similar pamphlets of Freemasonry's early days in London, we get some curious information. There was then a Masonic something called a brooch thernal, and no one has any real idea whether it was a tool or a part of a building. The trestle board was a tarsal board. There was an implement known as a setting beetle, and the master's word was machbahna, which Mackey gives as a significant in an old French rite. He also gives the Gaelic translation of machbahna, which is Blessed Son, which Stuart Freemasonries called their idol, 
the Pretender, the son of Charles I. Some exposés were written out of revenge, Morgan's, for instance. Others may have been composed from a real desire to serve Freemasons by making it easy to learn ritual. Duncan boasts that nothing in his compilation will aid the uninitiated to gain entrance to a lodge. All, however, have been too generally regarded as harmful by those Masons to whom the secrecy of the institution is the be-all, end-all, to whom ritual is sacrosanct, and who believe any unobligated man who knows any of the ritualistic secrets is necessarily an enemy of the fraternity and able to destroy it. Far from the truth are such impressions. With dozens of exposés printed, with hundreds to be bought for a few cents, this cancer existing for more than 200 years would not Freemasonry have long ago been destroyed if these books were actually as harmful as so many supposed. Actually, Freemasonry has grown from a handful of men in 1717 to five million in the civilized world, neither because of nor in spite of exposés, with no more attention paid to them by either Masons or non-Masons than is given to any description, correct or not, of any human institution. Those to whom the exposé is a terror might list the injuries which exposés may do the fraternity as destroying the secrecy of Freemasonry, thus injuring the attractiveness of Freemasonry to candidates, providing a means by which the unscrupulous can victimize Freemasons, and enabling a non-Mason to enter a lodge of Freemasons at work. How real are these injuries? The real secrets of Freemasonry are not in the words of the ritual, but in the meaning, the spirit behind. To the man and woman being married, the words of the service are a thrill, an uplift, a spiritual blessing on the union to follow. None ever forget them when heard personally, but who reads the marriage service for a thrill? To see and hear a great actor play Hamlet is to have chills and thrills, to sit open-mouthed on the edge of a seat, moved deeply by the emotions of the unhappy prince. But who reads the soliloquy to himself with tears in eyes or lump in throat? When the spirit is lacking, the words are but a skeleton on which might be hung something beautiful. Well-done Masonic ritual can be a spine-tingling performance. Many a man has considered his raising as his greatest spiritual experience. But no man could read even a perfect translation of the ritual of the third degree with any great emotion, or from reading gather that so simple a ceremony could have so spiritually blinding an effect. When the spirit is lacking, the words mean little. Secrecy is an attraction. Doubtless some men have applied for the degrees of Freemasonry from the unworthy motive of curiosity. But of these it is equally doubtless that many who came to scoff remained to pray. If the exposés to be bought in the market really interested enough of the general public, to ensure their being read by every male over 21, it is yet doubtful if they would remove the belief in the star behind the screen, the real secret behind the word.
An unscrupulous man might learn enough ritual from an expose to convince a committee that he was a Freemason. He would then have to steal a Masonic good standing card, and having done all this and been received in a lodge, he might be able to persuade some brother that he was in great need and borrow a few dollars. But the same thing can and does happen in other fields. Many a tramp has memorized a few verses of the Bible and persuaded some trusting minister that he, the tramp, was in dire need, received a few dollars, and disappeared. Has any one or any 10,000 such incidents destroyed the church or made the minister less important to his congregation? All exposés of Freemasonry, whether partly or wholly inaccurate, are inimical to the fraternity, but their power to harm is vastly overrated. Any brother who comes into possession of one can best serve the fraternity he loves by not attaching too much importance to that which is relatively unimportant, and shipping it promptly to his Grand Lodge Masonic Library, where it will find a safe place of burial. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions, and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.